Welcome back to the Bible Reading Podcast slash project, whichever one you prefer. I think we're just going to go with it at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think, Nessa? I podcast think so. or project? Which one? Right now, podcast. Yes. Podcast, I think, when we're actually on a podcast. And project, when you guys see our pretty little faces yes. on social media or wherever you see us. Yes. <laughs> I think that would work the best. Welcome back, you guys. Mm-hmm. I feel like it has been a hot minute. We have missed you. We appreciate everybody reaching out and, yes. you know, chiming in, talking to us giving us your feedback it's been amazing it's been awesome nessa where have we been we've been, <laughs> gone been going on for two weeks it started yes. with me and everything <laughs> going on with my mouth and my wisdom teeth and i just couldn't talk yep so jaw was wired shut you guys yep. i'm looking at a bunch of wires and yep <laughs> so brianna took swelling. the reins and did a little mini video and <laughs> Last week, we both had family stuff going yes. on, and we just decided to it was, take it, a break for one week. Yes, it was a hot mess. Yes. So thank you guys for hanging in there with us. Thank you guys for just being patient with us. We really appreciate it. It's been a crazy little two weeks. Um, Nessa and I were actually out of town mm-hmm. last Saturday and Sunday, and so we, we couldn't even get down here to record. So we just really appreciate y'all. It was, it's, it's been wild. But Nessa, you feeling better? Yep. So far, so good. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's what we like to hear. Oh, yeah. But welcome back to the Bible Reading Project. I am your host, Brianna Shelnut. And once again, I am joined by my best friend in the world, Nessa Goss. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> And we are just here to inspire you guys to read your Bible every day is your excuse. Mm -hmm. Even though our podcast does not come out every day, we still hope to inspire you to read the Bible, really get into it, actually study the word and understand what it says. Yes. And we have a special treat for you guys today. Like we said we would, we Mm -hmm. always keep our promises here. Yes, we do. That's (laughs) we're good at. Yes, we are good at that. (laughs) But our special treat is we have a special guest joining us today. You guys, I cannot express how much this woman means to both me and Nessa. She Mm -hmm. is an incredible mentor, an incredible mother, an incredible pastor and preacher. She does children's ministry, which means she is 18,000 times more holy than any of you. (laughs) And she is just incredible. She is such a light. And I am so happy to introduce you guys for the first time ever on the Bible Bible reading project Mm -hmm. history, Jennifer Rothwell. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know who you are introducing, but it certainly doesn't sound like me. Thank you, ladies, so much. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. Yes. We are so excited to have you. Mm -hmm. Um, Fun fact, you guys. So me, Jennifer, and Nessa are the same person reincarnated over and over and over again. Um, That's not biblical, but this is the Bible reading project. (laughs) We do not believe in reincarnation at the Bible reading project, but we definitely are the same person, same personality, just... Different tweaks here One and there. One atom split three yes. ways. Yes. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> One atom split three ways. <laughs> so if you guys start to hear our voices blend together in a harmony of the same thoughts, that is why. <laughs> there we go. The Skylar sisters, here we are. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love it. <laughs> so, Jennifer, we have called you here today and asked you to come here today because we need some wisdom. Mm-hmm. We we definitely need some wisdom. Um, me and Nessa have are, have only been married for about under ten years yes. so far. So you have been married for how long? It'll be twenty eight years in December of this year. Twenty eight years 28 married. Years. I know it. And mm-hmm. the first ten years are always the hardest. So you got this, ladies. Yes. 
Man, so mm-hmm. it's the first the time I've heard the first 10 years. Normally I hear like, oh, the first year's the hardest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a very wise years. person in the early days of our marriage uh, spoke to Bill and I and told us that the first 10 years really are, it's a time when you're defining who you are as an adult, even if you didn't get married early, which I didn't. I didn't get married till I was 27 and Bill was 30 still. Uh-huh. And that's seen as older. Yeah. But yeah. still, that's really young in the spectrum of a lifetime. Yeah. And so the first 10 years, you're learning to... Two shall be as one. You're learning to live together. You're learning to do finances and households and many careers, so many things. And then children are usually introduced in the first 10 years. So they mm-hmm. really are the hardest. And after you get through that first 10 years, you kind of hit a stride mm. um, and you're both seasoned a little bit more. So the first yes. 10 years are a struggle. So ladies and gentlemen who are out there listening, mm-hmm. hang on. Yes. Gird your loins 10 years. You make it past that 10-year mark, which you will in Jesus' name. Yes. Uh, everything. It's not smooth sailing after that, but a lot of the early days of marriage things are ironed out a good bit Mm. that is so encouraging i love that praise god for marriage y'all and that is one reason why we brought miss jennifer on so every time that we have miss jennifer on i don't know how many times she'll come on after this because she might hate it we don't know (laughs) (laughs) but when she decides to come back on any other time we are going to have a segment called secret sauce tidbits of wisdom tidbits of wisdom the secret sauce i love it and whenever you're looking for wisdom what is the best book in the bible to look for it in Oh my goodness, probably my favorite book in the Bible. I hate to pick a favorite, but Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Proverbs was the book when I, I didn't get saved until I was 26 years old. And God put the fast forward button on my life and I was married by 27. So I really, if there was a way to live not as a Christian, I accomplished it in my first 26 years of life. So I needed the book of Proverbs mm-hmm. to teach me how to be a moral, wonderful human being and oh it was like liquid gold to me I couldn't get enough of it in the beginning so it really taught me so much about life and godliness so I love the book of Proverbs mm-hmm. yes it's a definitely really good book and we haven't touched it yet yeah and so I'm really excited to dive in today you guys are really in for a really great treat we're going to talk through Proverbs what verse are we in I believe we decided that we were going to do chapter 19 verse 13 which from the NIV is if that's okay I'm going to read from the NIV today yes. this is what Proverbs 19:13 says a foolish child is a father's ruin and a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof mm. Truer words yes. have never been spoken just ask any husband yes <laughs> and before we jump into it there in no means are we ever going to bash women or men no. it's really iron sharpens iron and today we're just talking about how to be a godly wife specifically through miss jennifer's experience because she is much wiser and seasoned than we are um we just wanted to bring another person to speak on marriage and how to be a godly wife because sometimes life gets hard and i think miss jennifer is very capable of speaking wisdom and her walk with god and i've seen it be true so that's one reason the topic we're talking about today is how to be a godly wife. And we're not saying that women can never have feelings or emotions, but how can we work through those things like Miss June, Mama June has talked about and things like that. So, Miss Jennifer, let's get started. All right. Well, I will say that I know we uh, the concept of the secret sauce, little tidbits of wisdom, there are probably 9,650, 11 million different secret sauces mm-hmm. to being a godly wife. There, yes. Every arena of marriage has its own words of wisdom, but I think that 
one of the things that I have learned about making a marriage work and being a godly wife, oh gosh, there's so many, but the first one that I'd pick, the first little tidbit of wisdom, I would say is that when two people get married, the two shall be as one, uh, anything with two heads is a monster, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to find out ways to die to self. Yes. The secret to a great marriage and being a godly wife, number one, would be crucifixion of your flesh. Yes. To die to yourself. Now, I will say that if one person in the marriage is always dead, a corpse begins to stink, right? Yes. So anything that's dead too long is a rotting, unproductive thing, right? It's a rotting flesh. It's awful. So one person in the marriage shouldn't always be the person to die. But I found as a young bride that I never wanted to die. I really, I love Jesus and I knew that I should crucify my flesh, but I, if you've met Miss Jennifer, you know that God gave her a mouth and she likes to use it. And so a quarrelsome wife, someone who always wanted to get her way to Mm -hmm. use her mouth, to say the wrong thing. One of the things that God had to show me was to stop my mouth more often than I wanted to. And trust me, I often felt like I should talk things until they were dead (laughs) instead of dying myself. But I really feel like putting a guard at the front of my mouth and being slow to speak in a circumstance with my husband was really an area of not only crucifying my flesh, but being victorious for me. So I will say that I often didn't want to be the one to die. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I really, uh, I don't know how many of you women out there are facing that, that you really feel like you should die on the cross. But the, one of the stories that's God's dropping in my heart right now was the story of probably one of the greatest gifts in our family is our dog, Colson. Mm. He is, if you've ever met Colson, oh, he's so sweet. He's nine years old now. So this is, ha- this is almost a decade ago that this happened for me. But from the very early days of our marriage, my husband and I, we both wanted a dog. I wanted a little dog. I'd grown <laughs> up with a dachshund. I'd, uh, then as a young woman in the early days of our marriage, he, the dog died very soon after we were married, um, was a Boston Terrier. So I loved little dogs. But after the death of my Boston Terrier that I brought into our marriage, we really didn't go for a dog after that. We tried once. We got two little Boston Terriers when the girls were babies and they bit my daughters in the face. It was a disaster. So <laughs> I wanted small dogs. We gave them both away. Whole nother little. story. Yeah. Oh my goodness gracious. I love Boston Terriers, not bashing the Bostons out there, friends. I love them. I'd have another Boston today if I could. But so we had had terrible experience with small dogs and my husband was a big dog person. Mm. I was not. I really, I wanted a small dog. He wanted a big dog and we could not agree. So it got almost to the point where we were both bitter and resentful against one another, but mm under the surface. Yeah. Nobody ever acted bitterness and resentful, yeah. in, you know, with bitterness and resentment to one another. But mm-hmm. I would say, I want a small dog. And mm-hmm. he would say, I want a big dog. <laughs> and I would say, well, we're, no, we're yeah, not getting a big not, dog. Nothing. And he would say, well, we're not getting a small dog. So we both okay, would say, okay, okay. Hang fine. On. I'm not a dog person. So define big dog for him. Did he want like a German shepherd? Okay. So his idea 
at that time. And again, communication is key, ladies yes. and gentlemen. <laughs> but his idea, his favorite dog in the whole wide world was a Rottweiler. So he's talking Mamma Jamma, big, big dog. Yeah. Right? Okay. And my okay. favorite dog was a French Bulldog or a Boston Terrier. Yeah, gotcha. We'd already had great success with the Bostons. Um, so he would say, no small dogs. Yeah. And I would say, no way. And we live in a very small house. I think maybe with our basement, we're at... 1,600 square feet. It's not a very big house. Right. So in general, I would say, I'm, I'm, I'm no big dog, no. And he would say, well, no small dog. And we would both say, well, then fine, no dogs. Yeah. Right. So we raise children. Our kids are 10 and 12 years old or 9 and 11. Still no dog. Wow. Well, there was a circumstance where uh, I had heard about a f- friends, very close friends that were with us. And uh, they began having really difficult marital troubles. And so I was driving home after learning about their marital troubles. And I thought, Lord, I actually, I really have a great husband. He's a wonderful guy. And I'm thankful. I really, right now, Lord, I want to thank you for my husband. And no lie, God spoke to me in my spirit. And he said, yeah, and he wants a dog. (laughs) And I thought, what? And I thought, you're right, Lord. He does want a dog. Okay. I realized, and in that moment, God had shown me that I'd been a quarrelsome wife, that I'd been just harboring bitterness and resentment, and that I wasn't, this is one area where I was not willing to give or concede. Mm. So I went straight home to my husband, and I had to tell him about our friends that were having a really hard time in their marriage. And so I spoke to him about that, and he was just, wow, wow, that's really tough. And I thought, yes, but husband, I said, I want, I want to thank you. You've been a really great husband, and I'm really thankful for you. And I know you want a dog, and I know you want a big dog. So, okay, I'm ready. Let's get a dog. This is how much, without saying I didn't want a dog and how mad I was at him, this is how much it had affected him. He said, oh, no. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to go out and get a big dog and then have you make me pay for it after that. And I thought, God, what kind of wife am I? (laughs) And he said, I know you. You're just saying that. And I said, no, husband, honestly, truly, God has dealt with my heart. If you want a big dog, you can get a big dog. And he said, okay, whatever, okay. The next day, folks, the (laughs) next day he took the girls out and started looking for a big dog. And of course... It leapt up. I, I got scared. I thought, oh, no, we really are going to get a big dog. Well, maybe I did. Like, I, I meant it, but I didn't really mean it. I don't really want a big dog. And I thought, well, no, Lord, you told me to trust this process. So mm-hmm. we started looking for a big dog. And I went to the pound. My husband said, we're not getting a full breed. We're going to get no pedigree. We're going to go get something at the pound. And so my heart was still hard. And we'd walk through the pound. And he would look at one-year-old full-size pit bulls and mastiffs and all these things. And I would think, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no, I don't want that dog. And I said, well, I really want a puppy. And he said, oh, he said, I don't know. He said, if we can find a puppy. He said, but we're not getting a male dog, only female dogs. Hmm. I'd only ever had male dogs. And I thought, I don't want a female dog. I don't want a big dog. What am I doing, Lord? This is awful. So we looked and we looked and no dogs were great, but there was some puppies Mm -hmm. at the pound. And we looked at the puppies and it was two boys and a girl dog. 
and they were adorable. They were striped. They kind of had a little bit of smushed face. They kind of, I was going to concede for like a boxer. Like that's yeah. the best I could do, right? So anyway, but the puppies, they were boxer mixes and they were so cute. And there was one girl, but they weren't available for adoption because they'd been put on a hold because the people they'd been rescued from still had to get the chance to show up. So we couldn't get them. Oh, too bad. So we left. About two weeks later, we went back to the pound again to look again. And the, do- the girl dog and her brother had been adopted out and there was just one of those three puppies left then he was the sweetest little boy but my husband said no boy dog and I said oh too bad husband that that's a boy he said nope no boys so we walked the pound again and we looked at all the big dogs and I thought lord I'm gonna have to give in and just get this big dog that I don't want that's already full grown and so we walked back and uh my husband said to one of the guys who was in the pound he said gee you don't really have any other puppies and he said no we just have that one puppy and it's a boy. And my husband said, well, we don't want a boy. And the guy said to my husband, that's the smartest dog I've ever seen. He mm-hmm. said, too bad you don't want a boy because we've never had a dog as good as this here in this pound. What a good salesman. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, really. And he was, uh, he was being honest. And my husband said, I didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't beg. I didn't plead. I just thought, he said no boys. And I, God told me my husband wants a dog. And my husband said, well... Take him out and let's look at him. Yeah, whatever. We left with that dog <laughs> later in the day. But here's the thing. Here's the moral of that very long story. It still was hard for me to bring Colson home. I was still nervous. I didn't know what a big dog was going to entail. But I can promise you, ladies, mm-hmm. that if you listen for the voice of God, that if you do your best to realize when you've been on the wrong side of the struggle bus or mm-hmm. when you've been against your husband because it's what you want, when you die to self and do things God's way, the enormous blessings that God has in store for you. And sometimes, and I will tell you, I did. it was all the things I didn't want. And even as I walked it out, it was things that I was frightened of, but I trusted God in the process because I knew that I knew that I knew that I had heard him. It mm-hmm. still took death to flesh. It still took, I had to promise my husband that I would not make him pay for it, not make him unhappy that he was getting his way. I thought to myself, I want to be the kind of wife that my husband looks at and says, she's a prized woman. Mm-hmm. She, I want to rise up. I want our children to rise up and call her blessed. And so it meant death to self now. The moral of this story, as is in all ways when we go with what God wants and not with what our flesh wants, is that I literally thank God every single day for our dog. He is the sweetest, most delightful blessing. He has blessed our girls. He has blessed my husband. He has blessed my life. He blesses everybody who knows him. Mm -hmm. He's just been the sweetest, sweetest gift from God. And I can truly see that in that moment, the wisdom of God playing out in my life through the crucifixion of flesh, through closing my mouth when I thought it should be opened, and through doing something that I knew would bless my husband more than it would bless me Mm. has been just an incredible, incredible victory for us. Yes, that's incredible. Um, What are ways that you feel like the world would instead have women and wives act? Like, how, how do... I feel like in this day and age, now mm-hmm. in our circles, I would say that I'm starting to notice a shift. I'm starting to notice a shift, you know, avoiding, you know, the ways of feminism, the ways of, you know, being, you know, the boss lady in your house mm-hmm. and ever ruling with an iron fist. And I feel like I am seeing a shift kind of towards more 
okay, I want to be a godly wife and I want to be, and I want to have a godly home and I want to lead my children. I feel like I'm seeing that shift, but how would you say that we should continue to make those changes and make those shifts to changing our mindset? Because I know for me personally, like I, for me personally, I know that I can get caught on Instagram and I can go through the reels of complaining about your husband or, you know, infantile in like, Acting like your husband is another one of your infantilizing, um, acting like your husband is another one of your children that you just have to take care of or burden. How would you say is the best way to fight against those mindsets Mm -hmm. and to continue to see your husband in the best light? Well, I will say that you know, again, if you can line any behavior up with God's word then it's full speed ahead. But if there's anything in God's word that says your behavior is contrary to what he wants, you should avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. And I think that the world does a really good job of telling women that they should find their voice, which Mm. they should. I think that all women should have a voice. But having a voice and doing something with it that is contrary to what God says you should do with it is always going to cause things to go not well for you, not well for your husband. Uh, I think in general that women, according to the world, they, they're sold a bill of goods that says that they're oppressed mm-hmm. and that if they don't speak out, yeah. that, it, that it won't go well for them. When I grew up in a, in a household where my parents were married for 42 years, 42 years wow. <laughs> and divorced. Yeah. At 42 years, they split up. Right. So we're talking you know, grown human beings with, you know, 40 year old children. And it was even then when it was exactly what should have happened for my parents, although I don't advocate divorce, it was a bad situation and it broke a lot of things off of our family. It still was so difficult. Well, anyway, my parents were married for 42 years and divorced. And my mom, when I met my husband, she sat me down and she said, you keep your bank account separate from him. Mm. You keep your name separate. You keep your bank account. Like she spewed all of these yeah. things into my life because she thought, okay, I, I, I joined together with this man and I yeah. let him have everything. And right. now like just all of the things that she could think of that I should do that were contrary, honestly, contrary to the word of God mm-hmm. because she had done them and had been hurt so greatly. Mm-hmm. And I remember just saying, mom, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. That's your experience. And I'm believing God that I made a covenant promise with my husband. So one of the things that I would say is even when things are going south, even when you feel like you should speak up, but you don't know how, if you can remember that you have a covenant promise with your husband as Christians, women, that you're married into a covenant, you can put a demand on that covenant mm-hmm. before you mouth off to your husband, before you speak your mind in a, a, a rage of emotions. Mm-hmm. You can adhere to what the Bible says, line your mind, your heart, your spirit, your mouth up with what the word of God says and put a demand on the covenant promise and pray before you speak. I can guarantee you that even if you speak something erroneous or, or, or maybe isn't the, you don't even have the answer in the moment. God will order your steps with your husband and give you so much peace. I can't tell you the number of times when I've wanted 
And I, and I can tell you a lot of times for me, it's been fueled by hormones. When I've wanted to say something to my husband, I'm back in the back part of our house crying because I feel hurt or neglected, or, which is all relevant. You yeah. can feel hurt and neglected. Mm-hmm. But in those moments when I've gone to God first yes. and not my husband first with my words, it's been it's always gone so much better for me. Sometimes I won't even speak about it. Sometimes just enough time with God shows me that I shouldn't go and rant and rave with my husband or tell him how my feelings are and emotions are, especially in the moment. Um, always going to God first has saved me a great, great amount of headache because our husbands don't always process things the way we right. do. They don't think the way we do about things. They don't think what they've said is hurtful. Even when they're not trying to be hurtful, they just realize, you know, they're just talking to us because they're Mm -hmm. men and they don't see things the way that we do. So oftentimes, even thinking that I'm justified in going to speak to my husband about something isn't the answer. Hmm. Going to God first always, I feel like, is the answer. Mm -hmm. Did you utilize um, biblical friendships in the early days of your marriage? I will tell you that, remember, a lot of women like you two, you were raised in Christianity. And so you probably came into your marriage with a great deal more wisdom than I did. So remember, I was a one-year-old. I was a baby Christian right. when I was being married at 27 years old. But the something I found invaluable, and I would recommend it to every young um, wife and mother, is I found a mentor. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, my mentors were much older than me, which is biblical, you know, looking yes, for women who, yes, like, yes. I'm 55, you ladies are, what, 21? I don't, you're so young. Almost 30. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she's not even, there's, you know, I could be your mom, both of you. I'm probably yeah. the same age or yeah, around the same age as you. I'm older than your mom. Yes, yes, yes. And a little younger than A little than younger than little your younger, mom, Nessa. Yeah. But, <laughs> so, so I'm somewhere in the middle, but yeah. I, I found... Uh, a woman in her 50s mm-hmm. who was one of, uh, she's just one of the mentors that I had, but um, who specifically began to tell me th- everything from being a young mom, being a young bride, being a young mother. And then, of course, June Evans, of course, was uh, yes. preaching my whole life. That's how I actually came to Believer's Church was because she and I met at a, uh, a women's conference just pouring wisdom into women. So there's, I'm telling you, it's invaluable to find a godly woman who has the seasoning of life on her side. Not that she's never made mistakes, not that she's currently still not making mistakes, but she has the seasoning of the word and life experience, and she has her feet under her on so many things. Yes. It's invaluable. For sure. Um, I do think that nowadays, unfortunately, well, I feel like it's a bit of a blessing and a curse. Um, there are plenty of women pages I follow on Instagram who preach biblical femininity or um, biblical marriages and stuff like that and try and give advice. And I find myself wishing that, you know, that we didn't find it in a feed, but that mm-hmm. it was just around, that there were older women to glean from, that there were older women willing to kind of bridge the gap between the generations because we desperately need it. Like we, we desperately need it. Like me and Nessa might go ahead and find someone at our local church and, you know, talk to you and do our things. But there are plenty of other young women who feel like they're floundering. Mm -hmm. And if they don't find these pages or something like that, they're getting it from the world and the world has already warped and disintegrated what marriage looks like and what it should be. So I, I do definitely advise immediately of course like you were saying that these 
like women need women. Women need older women. Men need older men to mm-hmm. talk to, to mm-hmm. be with, to be able to have relationship with. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to Nessa for encouragement or for her to, when I can't pray for my husband, you know, like help me with this and not just with, you know, marriage, but child mm-hmm. rearing, like mm-hmm. it, it all goes together. And I know that I'd be lost in my world, if I didn't have my mother, if I didn't have you, Jennifer, if I didn't have Miss Robin, our pastor, if I didn't have these people who are rallying behind me Mm -hmm. and lifting my arms proverbially and, Mm -hmm. you know, helping me win this race (laughs) and stay married and stay in relationship and have a biblical worldview regarding my marriage and who I am as a woman. Because I definitely do think that it is unfortunately preached to women that you're great you're perfect. <laughs> you got this, you know, like, and it's unfortunate because it's like, no, I don't, I need help. I, I need to know how to be a submissive wife. Mm-hmm. I need to know how to dress modestly. I need to know how to treat my husband and how he should be expected to be treated in my home. I need to know how to control my emotions when it comes to my day to day. Like I, I, we need this wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I, there's always been just a longing in my heart that the church would take it seriously, that the church would take women, older women, mentoring younger women seriously, that it would be something that isn't this special thing that some people have, but that it would just be the standard. And I feel like once that happens, we would see a drastic change in the world because people would be leaning on the wisdom of people who have already gone forward, gone before them. And people would be learning the ways of God from people who have lived with God and experienced God before them. I will say this is just sort of a cautionary tale that many women, I find, they want help. Mm -hmm. They know that they're, as we all are, no judgment, but they're in a hot mess. Their lives are a hot mess. Certain areas of their lives are a hot mess. And they want a mentor, Mm -hmm. um, but they are unwilling to pursue Mm-hmm. a mentor. Yeah. It's one thing to, like you said, that you asked for advice, that you went after it. And once you open your life to a mentor, the mentor isn't going to chase you down, ladies. Right. I, I really do feel that. Like, we're so here for you. As yeah. a, you can text me. If I'm mentoring you, you can text me day or night, night and day. I'm there for you. I'm your I'm in your dark hours. I definitely have. Right, exactly. From Thor to (laughs) Arwen to myself. A hundred percent. If I I say I'm going to be a mentor for you, I'm in your life whenever you need me. Mm -hmm. But there is effort and work into pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and seeking godly wisdom and godly counsel. Because if you just sit at your dining room table and cry or pour pitiful me or scroll or, right, do all the feeds, you're allowing all of that to feed your mind and your heart when you could easily seek godly counsel and then make that application to your life. So it it takes work, ladies. It does. Just having a mentor, somebody who's sitting on the shelf for you isn't the only remedy. It's really, the the Bible says that we need to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling so you can find all the people who will drip apples of gold, words of wisdom into your life, but you really are going to have to put it to practice. Yes, and put the work in. That's That's good. good. So for all of you ladies out there, if you are looking for a mentor, which we highly suggest, Mm -hmm. there's myself, Brianna, Miss Jennifer, 
Mama June. There's yes. plenty of ladies at Believer's Church, Patty Bearden. People off the top of my head are just, these are just wonderful ladies. Mm-hmm. And that we've seen be at Believer's plug-in. And we need each other. So yes. if you're looking for a mentor, reach out to us. Um, it takes effort. Don't just mm-hmm. take that first step. Keep going. Yes. And really find somebody, even for, like, the young girls. Yeah. I know, like, I mentor some yes. um, high schoolers, middle schoolers, because that age is equally as important. Oh, for um, sure. Yes. So if you're a young person and you need somebody, we're yeah. here for you also. Yes, counselors right now, therapists are overrun. There's just no space in their schedules because this generation coming up. Yeah. yeah. And the younger moms even the older moms, even the f- ladies in their 50s. I mean, everybody, I highly recommend everybody find somebody to talk to. Yes. Yes. Right? That's, counseling is the bomb. It's fantastic whether you go once, whether you go weekly, yes. whether you go monthly. I highly recommend that you find a godly person that you can pour out to and barf up everything that you need to and get words, words of wisdom from them. But that's different, too, than someone who's a mentor for you right. that you can call and say, my baby has a fever of 104. What, what do, do I, I do? do? Down to, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling so much pressure in this area from a friend. Yeah. and so on. But I loved what you said about going to God first. Yes. Yes. I love how you said, normally when I go to God first with my grievances or when I go to God first with my worries, my anxieties, it is a completely different situation afterwards. And I feel more equipped to go to my husband or to whoever it is and pour out that, pour out what God just poured in. Mm-hmm. Like you can't pour from an empty source. So I feel like... And that's not just something for women, you know, men yeah. too. Go to God first. Make sure you have that relationship with God where you feel like that you're reading the Bible, that you're in his word, that you have a prayer life, that you have a foundation. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that relationship foundation down, and that relationship is always going to be growing and, you know, shifting. But have that first, have that deep relationship with Jesus. If you find that there's strife in your marriage, if you find that there's strife in your friendships, in your home and wherever it is, is strife with a parent, how's your relationship with Jesus? How's your relationship with God? Check in on that. Make sure that you're constantly strengthening that because that is so needed in life. That is the air we breathe. That that's everything. Mm -hmm. That is the foundation to which your life should be planted on. And so I love that you said that, that um, you go to God first and then, you know, like Nessa's an amazing resource to me, but she's not my only one. Right. She's not the I'm not main, God. You're not God. Yes. Nobody's God. You're, you Nor can't be God. Be, yes. My yes. husband can't be God for me. Like I, I can't expect him to do all the things that the Holy Spirit would, is supposed to be doing in my life or that God's supposed to be doing in my life. I, I can't, that's too much pressure on a person. That, that's too much pressure on a person. That's too much pressure on a marriage. Um, I know that God is the one that fulfills all my needs and fulfills all my wants and all my desires and fulfills that part of me that no human can fill. Mm-hmm. And ladies, the truth of the matter is, for all the people, all of the Miss Jennifers, the Miss Robins, the Mama Junes in the world, that you need to learn to hear God for yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So and good. sometimes knowing what to do in a certain situation is learning to quiet all the other voices yes. in your life and just go to God and see what God would have to say. I was actually going to say that is the more you go to God first, you're allowing him to speak to you. Mm-hmm. And if you are always going to all these other things, even if they're godly, but you're never necessarily going to God first, you're not hearing him or trying yeah. to hear him. And so 
like you said, just quieting everything so he can speak to you because he will speak to you. He will give you peace in your heart. Mm-hmm. So that's really good. Thank he you for saying that. He is ever-present help in yes. time of need. Amen. So good. Well, thank you, Miss Jennifer, for bringing our secret sauce, tidbits of wisdom today for godly wife and just all things quieting yes. our spirit. We it love was it. amazing. It yes. was awesome. This was good conversation. I'm ready to hear whatever we might have next. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Did you have fun today, Miss Jennifer? Yes. Thank you, ladies, for helping me <laughs> along and having me here. It's an honor. It really is super fun. I like the secret sauce. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> But all right, you guys, we will see you next week. We bless you guys with a good week. And we'll see you next time on Bible Reading Podcast.